The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. A lot of focus on this game, your USA Today comments regarding Hackett. How do you look at that as a chapter in your coaching career where some people yeah. might say Hackett got revenge today? Yeah, listen, they played better than us, and I credit you know Robert and that staff. They won the game, um, and I think that's that's how I look at it. Coach, do you regret, though, those comments, making those comments? As, I, as I, already, I already addressed that, though, and it's a fair question, but I think we already addressed that the, the next day. Sean Payton, humble pie. And look, my theory on that, oh, God. There's Kevin James who played Sean Payton in Home Game, Home Team, Home Something. Something like Netflix that. Netflix movie. Uh, Off-season champs. The Jets social media team giving it to him. Look, I firmly believe he was off the record. He thought he was off the record. Yeah. But he failed to say off the record. So all you got to say, anybody out there, if anyone is interviewing you and you want your words to be off the record, it's very easy. All you have to say is, off the record. And then if the reporter agrees to go off the record, nothing you say can be used by the reporter. If you don't say it, you're stuck. And I think Sean Payton knows he's sufficiently media savvy that he screwed up and didn't say yeah. off the record. That's right. what I believe happened. I he wouldn't, wouldn't have said that knowingly on the record, but he made the mistake of not invoking the off the record. Got too comfortable with somebody that he had a relationship with before, yeah. done some other interviews. But I, I can get behind that. And I, I think there's... Other people in the NFL that think that exact. I mean, first off, Sean Payton's not an idiot. I have a hard time thinking he's just going to go, let me say all this crazy stuff and well, it won't all, come back but, to. But everyone's like, oh, Sean Payton knows exactly what he's doing. He has oh, well, a plan. I know. He's right. sending a message. He's, yeah, the message was to the Jets and we're going to come kick your ass in week five. <laughs> they were highly motivated. It was a sloppy game, right? It had a little bit of everything. Uh, the Denver did control it early on. But hey, what, what we thought would be a pain in the butt 
factor for the Jets, defense and run game, kept them in the football game. Zach Wilson made a few plays here and there, but ultimately it was their defense and their run game that just took over uh, really late second quarter and then the third quarter and into the fourth where you know, the Broncos went through a period of time where they had a hard time getting anything going on the offensive side of the ball. It was few and far between as far as plays to be had that way, and the Jets kind of suffocated them, You know, let alone, hey, you know, making some mistakes of their own on the way. But on this day, their defense forced more mistakes from the Broncos than Zach Wilson and company made on that end. And and, and listen, that, that's the way they want to play. They want to run the ball, control the clock. Hopefully defense gets a turnover or two. And then Zach Wilson can make four or five throws in the football game to flip the field position. And they want to play that kind of game and win that kind of way. And it was, it was close to that yesterday. Zach Wilson had 199 passing yards. Brees Hall had 177 rushing yards on 22 attempts he's a game changer that one long run that was like okay they're gonna win this game like it was it was in doubt for a while and the broncos led and then here's the moment where Brees hall does Brees hall things and off he goes and the jets take the lead early in the third quarter you just felt like if they could get the lead right that's kind of what it felt like. And, and again, they weren't necessarily sharp early on in the football game. It was that sequence at the end of the half where it was like, what the hell are they doing? They, they like Baltimore, blew a chance to get an easy field goal before the half, right? You know, here's one thing. I, I, you know, like there, there's two moments in the game where the Jets have to be better at managing situations or their quarterback who should not be in the total trust tree that we can just go, hey, a big moment, we'll just trust him to do the right thing and make the right play. He's certainly not there yet. We're on a good trajectory here the last few weeks, but it was the end of the first half. They threw a little five-yard out route, remember, with no timeouts. He threw it behind. The guy caught it. He couldn't get out of bounds. He fell to the ground. They couldn't get up and clock the ball. They didn't get to kick a field goal. And then at the end of the football game, of course, it's what, 24-21 at that point? And... They throw a back shoulder to Garrett Wilson, and like Lamar Jackson, he throws it too far inside. Patrick Sertan gets it, but my, my big thing is just like, hey, you, he he's done good, but we're not. Don't just put the game on his shoulders here. Get, you know, be conservative here. Go up twenty-seven, twenty-one, and like like we've talked about all along. There's such pressure on Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. Make them go down and score a touchdown on your great Jets defense. You know, they dodged a bullet here. Certainly, uh, it was a big win for the Jets, but they they definitely weren't. You know, lack of mistakes there along the way to make things interesting. Here's Robert Sala with some candor about Zach Wilson's performance and what the Jets could have done if they had been a little more on some of the details that Chris mentioned. Fazak did a great job. Um, you know, it was uh, lucky that the interception was unfortunate. Uh, great play from them. Uh, but uh, but overall, I uh, thought he did a good job. There's, uh, you know, just offensively as a whole, we got to be better in the red zone. Um, had a chance. Probably could have blown that team out of the water. Uh, but uh, but still, like I said, gritty win. Uh, ran the ball well. Uh, moved the ball. Stayed stayed stay ahead of the, stayed ahead of the chains. Uh, thought we were really good in the second half. Could have blown that team out of the water, and he's right. And look, I think it was critical that they won that game. Not for Nathaniel Hackett. I'm surprised they had so much kind of pent up, kept their mouths shut about it. It was two months ago. They really were ready. Yeah, they handled their business, but didn't talk too much. But. That game was critical because it validated what we saw last Sunday night. They yeah, turned a that's corner right. last Sunday night. Right. If they lost that game, it was all wasted. Yeah. So, because I, I think it was, I can't remember who I got into this argument with 
on Tuesday about the two New York teams, that they both stink. They're both hopeless. I don't think you and I had this conversation. No, it wasn't me. But it's like there's a fundamental difference between the Jets and the Giants. Definitely. Right now, if you don't see that, then you, I, there's nothing I can do to help right, you. Right, right. The Jets were down 17 nothing. They made it a game. Questionable officiating decisions. They could have won that game. The Giants just look like they have nothing. No. They are two very different teams. And yesterday, the Giants <laughs> continue to look like they have nothing. Right. And the Jets parlayed what they did against the Chiefs into a victory. And now they have the Eagles coming up. The Eagles are vulnerable. The Eagles have been screwing around with lesser teams that they should have blown out. They've had games they should have lost. Pretty much every game they could have lost. And the Jets have a chance to get to 3-3. Three and three. I mean, what did we expect the Jets to be through six games with Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, we three said. 3-3 would have been three. the best-case scenario. Right, right. They may be 3-3 three and three without Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, to, to your point with the comparison with them and the Giants, like, that's, it's, you know, yeah, it's ridiculous. The, the Jets have things about their team that are elite. I mean, their D-line and their defense is still – it's special, right? Now, their offense, of course, is just finding its way. It's got to help them out a little bit. And like we saw yesterday, they stay on the field. They control the ball a little bit. And the Jets have – you know, they're not worn out from being on the field every four plays. They, they can fly around and cause havoc and turnovers, a.k.a. strip Russell Wilson at the end of the game, pick it up and run for a touchdown. Game over. Defense does their job, right? Oh, oh! another big moment in the game was Pirine fumbling the ball as the Broncos were driving. And another point, I want to say, what was it, maybe early fourth quarter, right? Jets cause a big turnover there. I think that led to a, a Jets field goal. Uh, you know, Mims fumbled another time on a trick play by the Broncos. So, you know, when the Jets are hitting on all cylinders, I think like we're talking about, it's Zach Wilson managing the game with a splash play here or there. Let's run the football and let our defense fly around and be fresh. And we've kind of seen that the last two weeks to where they're getting closer to that. And I think that should be encouraging for all Jets fans. What did you think about the decision by the Broncos to clock it with a second left down 10? And throw a Hail Mary. Yeah, I, I don't really know. You know, I'm, I'm, as you're saying that, I'm going, you know what? I do remember watching that there at the end of the game because we were in here in the studio. And I don't even know what the point of it was. Right. Other who, than, cares? who cares if you get the extra seven other than it looks better? I think that's it sometimes looks coaches like the, the look better, like yeah. you've talked about in, in past weeks. I, yeah. I do think there's that. 31-28 looks like it was a closer game than it was. We didn't yeah. get beat by double digits. Right. Well, and he gets Maybe you get a touchdown and he gets an extra 50 yards on his stat line and go, hey, look, my quarterback threw for 250 and another touchdown. Right in the end of the year, nobody will remember the context, and yeah. you just go, hey, look at that. Coaches are like that, certainly. They play the game within the game. But, yeah, that was, that was kind of odd now that I think. Especially because I had somebody point out to me a couple of weeks ago, the Dolphins could have kept right. striving. Right. They could have gotten to 73. Yeah, right. And they didn't. Right. What's the point of trying to get that extra touchdown late? And I think it may just be you're frustrated. It's just. Yeah, you're just going to play to the we end. Saw, we saw the clip. And whatever. They had the right. ball with 30 seconds left. Fumble gets returned for a touchdown, and it's night night for the for the Broncos, and you just you just want to do something. There's nothing we can do until next week. Let's just do something here. But it's meaningless. You're putting your guys at risk on a play, a live play, that had no value whatsoever. Yeah. There was nothing to be gained from it. And, and I guess the, you know, the argument would be the thing that Sean McVay should have said a few weeks ago when he kicked the meaningless three-pointer. At some level of the tiebreakers, it's net points in common. Not, not that the Broncos are going to be applying tiebreakers. I don't I mean, think let's so. Be realistic yeah, about right. it. They're not going to be applying right. tiebreakers to anybody except to see who gets a higher draft pick. In that case, you want to lose the tiebreaker, not win the tiebreaker. All right. Um, 
anything more from that game. We're actually four minutes ahead. Well, How are we four that, minutes ahead? That, that's How is that a, that's happening amazing. on a Monday? No, I, I think you know. I, I think the other thing I would just take from that game too with the with the Broncos, you know, their defense was a little bit better certainly, but the the one of the positive things of the football game was this damn running back McLaughlin, right? Number 38. Jaleel. Jaleel was one of those guys, went to a smaller college, right? And I didn't know what to expect of him and, and what he was going to look like. But it looks like they found something at the running back position. I mean, you talk about three rockets up your butt and looking explosive. I mean, when he was on the field, that jet defense, as we know, is fast as hell. And they weren't as fast as Julio McLaughlin. So that could be something, you know, just a little bit of a silver lining for the Denver Broncos as they go forward here. Another weapon that certainly can help out their offense and see where it goes from there. But like you said, big win for the Jets. And it does. That's the big thing. It validates the win from or the loss from last week, you know, a little bit vice versa of like what we're going to, you know, I think we're going to talk about in a little bit is the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills, you got that great game. Hey, we're one of the best teams in football. We beat the Dolphins. Look what we did. And then you go go over to London and kind of get trolled by the controlled by the Jacksonville Jaguars. It takes off the luster of the win the week before. Uh, so good job by the Jets. They are building something. Zach Wilson looks like he's on the, you know, the right, the right trajectory. And I also like, like, Salah's not going to feed into the media narrative. He's being strong about, hey, Zach's doing good. He's doing some good things. we got to help him out and all that. He's not going to let that take a crazy turn there. Uh, but we'll see where things go for the Jets. Jaleel McLaughlin was undrafted <clears throat> out of Youngstown State. He previously played for Notre Dame, not university, Notre Dame College. Yeah, right. He is the NCAA's all-time All leading rusher yeah. with 8,166 right. yards. And he got a chance last week when Javante Williams left the Bears game with a hip injury, finished strong, Williams wasn't able to go. They got something. They want that three-headed monster at running back, and now the third one is the undrafted rookie to go along with Javante Williams and Samaj Piran, and I think we're going to see more and more of him as the season unfolds because he's the guy that Peyton found. Peyton and Peyton, George and Sean, they found this guy undrafted, and I think they're going to they're going to let it ride a little he bit. He makes sense for them. He's that kind of, he's their kind of guy, right? He's got looked like some Alvin Kamara-ish type of skill set where he's awesome in space, he can run between the tackles, and he looks like he's going to be a handful if you if he gets better at coming out of the backfield catching footballs that way uh, to where yeah, they might have something there at the running back position. And it gives the Broncos some hope and something positive because there isn't much right now now that they've lost to the Jets and we figure out how deep this hole is going to be for the one and four Broncos. Let's take a break when we return. Superlatives time. Week five. Already week five. I don't want to sound like who says that? You Mike might friends us. Already week five. I can't believe it. Already week six. Can it's you believe it? It's week seven. It's not butter. It's we'll week eight. I can't believe it. The season's <laughs> flying by. It's week nine. It's flying. <laughs> In four games this season, do you feel like you've had less time to get open and create space for yourself? No, nah, I'm open. I'm always open. Excuse my profanity. I'm sorry. 7-11. That's all I got to say, brother. Oh, yeah, baby. 7-11. I hope he's got a 7-11 sponsorship after that one. There it is on his Twitter page. Always open. A comedian once raised the point, if 7-11's open 24 hours a day, why do they have a lock on the door? 
<laughs> very good, very good question. <laughs> so anyway, uh, no locks. No. Why didn't they call it twenty four seven? What does the seven eleven stand I, for you know, exactly? A great question. Right? Yeah. What is seven eleven has been around for so long? It's the original convenience store. Yes, like right. the first time I ever became aware of a place where you can just go buy all the stuff you really want to eat. That's right. It's like we went to the grocery. They got store. Twinkies yeah. and gum. We went in to the, the grocery store, and what we did is we shrunk it down. Just to the stuff you really, really want. And uh, it's all here. <laughs> Come and get it at 7-Eleven. Maybe it means after one visit you'll gain 7 to 11 pounds. Oh, here we go. We got it up there. Look, Kristen and Courtney took this. To, to, so 7-Eleven to reflect the company's new extended hours between 7 a.m. and 11 p.m. See, so Jamar, you don't want to be 7-Eleven, Okay. And that's where my superlative to start this off will be 24-7, all right? 24 hours, seven days a week. That's where I was going to go. I didn't even know we had this little 7-Eleven graphic here, so now it's not as cool uh, because it's been ruined. I've been, I've been shown up here. But, I mean, it's about damn time. Maybe that should be my superlative, right? I mean, we just talked about it a little bit before. Uh, the Bengals, the last few weeks, what are they on offense? What, what is it exactly they're trying to accomplish? What is your MO? What is the thing that you're elite at that we talk about that makes a team go, whoa, we have to stop this, and then it helps out the rest of your football team? What they've decided to do over the last two weeks is just go, we're going to go all in on Jamar Chase. We're going to throw him the ball just, just about every play. And, of course, this, the big thing in this game was this guy right there, Joe Burrow, was the first time all year he actually had time to look at people down the football field. That's the first thing. So Jamar Chase opened, you know, 7-11, 24-7, whatever the hell you want to say. It doesn't matter if Joe Burrow's on his back in .5 seconds, and that wasn't the case in this football game. And you hear me talk about the simplicity of the Bengals' offense, but slowly but surely they're moving Chase around and becoming a little more creative, and like we talk about too, right? They, they're a team that now we got four or five games of film on somebody. We can start to build a little bit of a library and how they defend and do all that stuff. But the big play Bengals got back in a big way yesterday. That was a scary game, I thought, going to Arizona. And it was close there for a while. But Burrow and Chase uh, eventually broke it open. Unbelievable. And look, Steelers, take note. Throw the ball to your best player, they're, and the rest of the offense will follow. Find ways okay. to feature a guy, the guy. And you'll get you'll get teams to start to play defenses that are favorable to your offense. I said this about the Steelers at one point, trying to understand why they won't feature Pickens. And after Mike Brown has had to dig extra deep in the couch cushions to pay Joe Burrow, I can't imagine that they'd say, let's take some of the steam out of Jamar Chase as he's in his last year before he's eligible for a contract. Because we already know he's great. He's already getting paid. Whatever his numbers are this year, he's still getting paid. Agreed. They're going to have to pay him. So never mind that. I yeah. was just thinking out loud. Why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you yeah. let him have the ball right. and get the ball to him? He has proven time and again what he can do. So after yesterday... There's hope for the Bengals, who are two and three. Steelers three and two. Ravens three and two. Browns two and two. It's a scrum. It is in the AFC. They're North. there. They're there to, to be had, and hopefully they get it going there. O line is the big thing. Like they said, they ran the ball a little bit. They gave Burrow some time. You know, still 46 attempts or 317. You know, I wish they could still be a little bit more aggressive. And here's one other thing too with the Bengals defense giving up a lot of big plays through the first five weeks, which is kind of shocking with them. And, you know, of course, Arizona made some big plays yesterday and missed a few big plays that could have made that game a little bit more interesting, but good win for the Bengals. They needed that. When I first heard the pronunciation of Devon A-Chain 
in the preseason, I could hear Chris Berman saying, Devon, take the A-train, A-chain. Well, now it's A-chan. So it's take the A-chan. This is incredible what Devon A-chan is doing. And I love a good origin story. I love to know when someone who ended up being great first realized, I'm going to be great. Puka Nakua told me a great story about it last week with Cooper Cup taking him aside during practice and saying, you know what you can do, we know what you can do, and how that was like his moments. Like, hey, Cooper Cup believes in me, I can be great. I asked A-Chan about it yesterday, and I said, was there a moment where you realized you belong? No, I knew I belonged when I got here. Well, and it's, like, was it, like, was there something like during practice or a game where you like, you made a play and you're like, this is the proof? Nope. <laughs> and he's very understated about it. He says, look at the offensive line. I'm paraphrasing him, but anybody could be doing what he's doing. That I mean, and this gets back to the whole running back, you know, because you could, you, there are plenty of running backs out there that could do what he's doing in that spot. There's a humility in what he's saying. He's still special. Yes. But for him to go into the game, right. averaging 11.4 yards per carry and have his average go up. That's insane. Is incredible. Yes, it is. What they are doing is incredible. And it is a total team effort. They're averaging over nine yards per play. But when you, you with that burst, there are a lot of guys in the NFL that that do not have that ability to thing. shoot lightning That's through that that crack. Exactly that right. Like I think there's a lot of running backs in the NFL that get 20, 25 right there. Do they get seventy six like Devon Achan? I don't know about that. That's where his speed and acceleration and explosion, you know, allow him to make this play from. Hey, yeah, good 15, 20 yard gain to, whoa, a game breaker and it's a touchdown and, you know, we're all over you. They're, they're unreal right now. They really are. And they put you in such a dilemma because if you play too deep, they can run the ball. McDaniel is patient with it, right? He's not going to be pass happy. So the things you worry about with the Dolphins is, whoa, let me play too deep to stop the big passes down the field or let me play a coverage that takes away the middle of the field where they attack so much in passing the ball. And off of that, oh, you play too deep. You don't have enough people in the run game, so we'll run it. And then, oh, wait, you got everybody in there in the middle to stop the over-the-middle Tyree kill passes? Well, we'll just cram you in there and toss it out to one of our guys and get you on the edge. And they have found the perfect formula to be a real pain in the ass. What are you grinning about I'm just there? Well, somebody emailed, and this yeah. makes sense. We should call Jamar Chase emergency room because that is open 24 7 as i found out yesterday <laughs> exactly so jamar chase is the emergency room way to go i all like right. that that was very right. well done yeah. by our whoever whoever sent email an email all right go ahead give me another one right in the ritter baby that's what we're going with you talk about a big performance in atlanta yesterday all right i i i have to think that if desmond ritter played poorly yesterday that it would have been official Taylor Heineke time. It felt like that. I know it got brought up last week to the Falcons head coaches, and they said, no, Ritter's our guy. We're going to go with that. But as we've been talking about for the first four weeks of the year, it's hard to win the way they've been playing. Just run the ball, no pass game performance at all. Ritter was big time yesterday. They did not, they could not control the line of scrimmage against the Texans. The Texans pretty much called their bluff, and they were like, no, we're, we're not going to let you run. Desmond Ritter's going to have to beat us. And they found ways to get Drake London the ball, and Kyle Pitts got the ball. It was the first time all year we saw those guys involved in the game, and it's the first time that we've seen in the Desmond Ritter era them win a football game because of his right arm and not just because he managed the game, right? So that, to me, was uh, pretty awesome. A lot of credit to him and, and some of the big plays he made, and hopefully that quiets some of the, the talk around him. Yeah, because it really was getting there. And it's still not over. 
But yesterday went a long way toward it. I didn't. I hey, I said last week this is simple for me. Texans win. C.J. Stroud great. Desmond Ritter not. Sometimes it's that simple, and maybe sometimes it it isn't that simple because Ritter rose up and and helped the Falcons win. Last one for me. This is the Bachman Turner Overdrive Award. This is because and you know do do you are you aware of the group Bachman Turner Overdrive? I'm not sure if I do. Well, because I got there through. Taking care of business. Right. That was the song. Okay, I know that song. Right. That's right. one of their various hits from the seventies. Right. They and and Dan Campbell looks like a guy who would be a Bachman Turner overdrive, like, you know, you know, banging his head with his hair long when he was Definitely. playing. But they're taking care of business. And this is the mark of a great team. You never stumble and fall down against the teams you're supposed to kick the crap out of. Forty two to twenty four, exactly what they're supposed to do. There's not even a question. This is the hallmark of a team that is ascending to upper echelon. Now, are they going to be ready to play the 49ers? We'll see. But for them, it's a process. It's not about winning the Super Bowl this year. It's about positioning themselves to maybe be in the conversation to win the Super Bowl next year. But you do that by not screwing around with an inferior team. You don't let it be a one-score game. You don't let it be, oh, no, we can't relax late in the game. You just take it. And they took it. Even without Amon Ross St. Brown, without Jameer Gibbs, they took it from the Panthers. That's what great teams do, and they're now great team right. in the in the NFC North. And 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 maybe we'll make things very interesting in the postseason. I, I mean, we're still going 49ers-Eagles or Kings of the NFC, but it, it's fair to say that the third team might be the Lions. I mean... Seahawks have something to say about that, too. They they beat the Lions. Right? Yeah, I get you. So, you know, Dallas, of course, is the team I think we all put at number three there. And I go, you know, hey, the the, the Lions, to your point, they just put pressure on you all game long. That's what they do. Their offense is a little bit like the 49ers in the way of, like, oh, we got to stop the run. They can gash us in the run. And then they're really creative in the things they do off of it in the play-action pass game. And Goff is phenomenal in the play-action pass game. And they make you defend every square inch of the field like we talk about with great offenses that way. And then their defense, of course, has made one of the most dramatic turnarounds we've seen any unit you know, this year. It was a horrible defense last year. They're a top-10 defense now. You can't run the ball on them, and they're way better in the secondary there. You know, I look at them as a team that, you know, again, I'm not going to put them quite in the 49ers-Eagles class, but would I be shocked if they were a team that upset one of those two teams in the playoffs? No, yeah, they have that type of talent and that type of coaching to go along with it that, yeah, they can be that team that kind of upsets our perfect matchup for an NFC championship game. They are, they are that team that is right. good enough to beat a team that is peaking ahead to the next round. Yeah. They'll get yeah. you if you give them that opening. All right, from – a very well-known 70s song, Taking Care of Business, to a lesser-known song from Kiss, Rock Bottom. Have the Patriots hit Wow, Rock Bottom. Damn. Deep Cuts Ooh. with Chris Sims and Mike Florio. Kill Bill was bottom. last week. Kill Bill Part 2 was this week. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Bill, you said you guys need to start over. Um, have, have you ever had to do that before, five games in the season, just for reference? I mean, is, is it something new? Yeah, I've done it before. What what does that entail? Starting over. Starting over. Chatty guy, deep Bill thoughts Belichick. by Bill yes. Belichick. Look, I don't know how you start over five games in. I don't know what reset button there is to hit. I don't know what you do. I mean, the obvious thing is you bench your quarterback. I don't think quarterback is even the starting no. problem. Yeah. To me, what's happening with the Patriots is very simple. For years, Bill Belichick, the coach, was so good that he was able to overcome. The Maybe a roster deficiency right. or anything The imperfections there. that he created yeah. as the guy sure. who was buying the groceries sure. and cooking the meal. Sure. Now, there's a certain point where there's no groceries you can buy. There's no cooking you can do that can make up for the groceries that you have. Yeah. He's got, he's got nothing, and it's on him. And there have been times when Robert Kraft has talked about this, and he emphasizes Bill's in charge of everything. So he's responsible for everything. And it's not just well, what can we expect the coaching to do? The team's not very good. He's responsible for the team. He's responsible for everything. And right now, it's horrible. 72-3 to in back-to-back weeks? That is beyond embarrassing. Robert Kraft has to be beside himself. And we're in that zone where, if you're thinking about making a change, what are you secretly doing behind the scenes? You're, you're figuring out who it is you want to interview. You're starting to do your homework. Why would they not be at this point thinking about what's next? And people think it's going to be Gerard Mayo. The risk for Mayo, the defensive coordinator de facto of the Patriots, is you're too associated with this. They may need to hit the button yeah, and get a full and new start fresh over. Start, right? You, 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 we have no to. We have to disinfect. Right. Yeah, we have we to disinfect to, the organization. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think there's some you know valid thoughts to to that right there. I do. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. Shocking, right? I mean, shocking to, to see a Bill Belichick coach football team not only lose the way they do, but the, I mean, not only to lose by the scores they do, but to lose the way they have with just sloppy play, big plays. I mean, the offense and the turnovers and all of that. They're not even good enough where they're capable of managing the game around the roster right now, like you're talking about. You know, that's the horrible thing. They're a team that's not built to play from behind, and they've gotten behind in a hurry early on in these football games because of mistakes. So that's been an issue. Yeah, Mac Jones hasn't been great. I know that, but like you said, there's a ton of problems here. There's no doubt. And you just look at the Patriots, and you know, like you said, it's the coaching's always been great. It's been able to overcome a lot of things, but you know, and it, it does feel like, hey, we're 2023 modern day NFL. It feels like the Patriots have been 
you know, unable to adjust the way the new game has gone. That's what I'm just going to say. I don't mean that to be disrespectful, but the game right now is about fast front sevens, fast pass rushers, fast middle linebackers, right? They got none of that, right? The offensive side of the ball, every good team in football has got what right now? Good receivers. Like, oh, crap, they can change the field or come back or get a blow us out here in two seconds, They've right? They've never been able to draft and develop a good receiver. In so the, 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 and There the, wasn't a seventh round. No, right. And the league is set up right now for that style of play, and they can't even take advantage of it. And then, okay, yeah, you know, they'd like to maybe run the ball and do that. Well, they can't do that. Their own line's not good. It's a little beat up, so they're not capable of doing that. And Billy O'Brien's offense is solid, but it needs a run game. It's not like he's the Miami Dolphins and he's got all these tricks and things to do with that way so they're banged up in the secondary and we know that's one of the things that where Belichick does even the scales right with great secondary play and I can do all these crazy coverages they don't have that so there's a number of issues right now there up in New England and like you said I don't see a spot or a light at the end of the tunnel I go, ooh, they're close this is going to turn here soon the second worst loss of the Belichick era yesterday 34 nothing to the Saints one week after the worst loss 38 to 3. And you can take 38 to 3 Cowboys because there are teams that are going to lose to the Cowboys 38 to Yeah, three. once they can get rolling and right. they make plays, it, yeah, right. But to have the Saints come into your building, the yeah, Saints who are right. middle of the pack, nobody really knows what they are, haven't looked great, aren't a juggernaut, they come in and they win 34 nothing. That's a different kind of mark that it leaves. And for an ownership group that has become very accustomed to competing for championships, this is the biggest slice of humble pie they could be forced to eat. And I think that's part of the problem, too. And you've made this point a couple of times. You know, Bill Belichick has been so unpleasant with media, yeah. and, and he can get away with it because he wins. He right. never would have lasted in New England if he hadn't won. But there's an arrogance there. And let's be real about well, it. And I've, I haven't been that. afraid to say it when no. – I, I, I've said it for years. Hey, Bill, if you don't like being questioned by the media, go coach high school lacrosse and be paid accordingly. Because one of the reasons why you get all that money is people give a shit about the sport and they want real answers. They don't want Johnny grumble, grumble, grumble. Right. And it's not all some big secret that you, you could say something useful that isn't giving away your battle plans for the next game. But there's an arrogance that oozes over to the staff. I think it's one of the reasons why when guys leave and go elsewhere, Patricia, Judge, they, they, are, they have that arrogance from Bill Belichick baked in. And it's all being blown up right now. And it just feels like it's ending. And whether they call it a mutual parting, whether it's a resignation, I don't know. But this is not sustainable. And they still have 12 games left. And the past two weeks are as bad as it's been. And there is no hope it's going to get any better, Chris, than what we've seen. Last week was the wake-up call, and this week was the product of the wake-up call, and it was worse than last week. Yeah, in a lot of ways it was. Like you said, it was the Saints, you know, a team that has not been real good offensively. You think, oh, hey, wait, we turned the ball over last week. We'll fix that issue. What happens? Mac Jones holds the ball a hair too long as he's stepping up in the pocket, waits to the last second, and as he's throwing the ball, he gets hit right into Honey Badger's hands, and that becomes a pick six. And you're going, damn, the game just got going here. They're down 7 nothing, and kind of jump-starting the Saints. The Saints get the ball back. Derek Carr hits a big pass to Sh- uh, Rashid Shaheed. It sets up another touchdown. And then they stop the Patriots again, and they go right down the field and just slice them up like no problem. And the game was over. It was like, whoa, it's halfway through the second quarter. It's 21 nothing. 
And that's all she wrote. We're done here in New England. And, of course, it just continued to go uh, worse and worse for the Patriots from there. Not many teams are built to come back from 21 nothing. The Steelers and the Patriots are, are definitely on the top of the list that are not built there. to come back. Right. you got to keep it close, and you got to hope that you can pull it off. And when it's 21 nothing, it's just go, you know, leave now and beat the traffic and go home and take a nap if you're a Patriots fan at that game. Here's Bill Belichick after the game on whether or not Mac Jones is still the starter for the second straight week. He was pulled once the game was out of hand. Is he still your quarterback going forward? Yeah, there was a lot of problems. It certainly wasn't all of them. I'd, I'd like to say he is one of them. He's one of them. There's sure. a lot of problems right. that it would be hard for any quarterback to overcome, right. but still, he's the guy. That, what else they got? Bailey Zappi's the backup, and they were comfortable cutting him and assuming no one else would right. even claim him right. on waivers. Right. So that's your number two. Yeah. At some point, you just got to throw Will Greer out there and see what he can do. Well, they I, need a uh, spark. They need to do something. No, I know. They, they definitely need a spark. I, I, I don't know if that means bench Mac Jones. I don't think that's it. You know, I think he's going to be realistic enough. Again, like we've had that conversation before, but they're going to go back and go, yeah, Mac Jones isn't doing good, but he's like kind of far down the list as far as problems we got as a football team. So I think that's where they'll try to stay the course and limit one less distraction, right? So they don't have to talk about that and Belichick being fired and what's going on in New England. I don't think they'll do that. I don't. But there's there's got to be a total different a way of, I think when he says start over, an approach on how they're going to play, that, that's got to change. And what that is, I don't know. I really don't. But they're in a tough spot there. And uh, it doesn't look like things are going to get better, you know, anytime soon here. And, 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 and it's crazy. Yeah. And, and, you know, and you're right, too, with Belichick needs to, you know, answer, talk, you know, let us know what you're thinking. If you're going to say start over and whatever, just hey, it's OK to give us a little bit of a clue of what you mean by start over. Right. I think that'll, you know, smooth over the fan base a little bit. Uh, but instead he does that, and I think it honestly angers people. And they're like, what kind of answer is that? You're a jerk, and you're one in four. And what the hell does before mean? What does that mean? And I, I'm not doing it. I'm just I'm trying to say it to go to help the guy, to go, you, you're bringing this on yourself to a degree right now. You're making it double worse than it has to be because of the way he does treat and talk to the media. Remember when Tom Coughlin was on the hot seat in 2007 and yeah. it changed? Not that, not that any personality changes from Bill Belichick. We're going to matter. And look, we are who we are. And he is who he is. He's made it this far because he's been a phenomenal coach. He's overcome the fact that yeah. he does, when it's time to talk to the media, maybe not interact the way that he could. You know, him and Saban are close. Yeah, sure. And Saban can charm you at a press Definitely. conference. When you go back and read the transcript, he didn't tell you anything. Yeah. But you can but he says a few funny things a and he laughs and, and makes it. And a, it's, yeah. yeah. And Belichick has just decided he's going to erect this wall because you hear all the time, oh, he's so much fun if you get him away from football. When do you ever get him away from football? Yeah, Football's we don't all live in does. that world. That's yeah, what we are it's in. It's like, what, what makes someone like that happy? Yeah. When you're just miserable all the time, you exude to the world you're miserable all the time. I feel bad for him. Yeah. For a guy has got six Super Bowl wins, I feel bad for him because I feel like he's never been happy professionally because there's always something that's irritating him, and through that irritation is how he finds excellence. His great curmudgeonness is what made him great. You know, his ability to go like, wait, we just won the Super Bowl. And the next day he's walking down the hallway of the, you know, the Patriot place and like in deep thought about, wait, we just won the Super Bowl yesterday, but how are we going to win the Super Bowl next year? Like he literally is, it starts that quick. 
I mean, it really does. You know, there, there's some famous stories in football about, like, on the plane rides home from the Super Bowl, he's already talking about next week's schedule and what's going to go on. Everyone's like, wait, we're still drunk and celebrating the Super Bowl. What, <laughs> what are you talking about? So that's, that, that, that's just the way he is. That's what's made him great. I want to say this one last thing about Mac Jones, because I was talking about this with my dad a little bit over the weekend, right? Mac Jones is a good football player. He knows how to play the position. He is a little bit of a system quarterback. He's not going to be Josh Allen or Mahomes and just hair on fire, I'll make plays happen and throw lasers and all that. But within that, yeah, they're doing a disservice where they they need a, you know intricate, detailed system. Uh, I think that's what he would benefit from. But he's going to have to change his throwing motion. He's going to have to change it a little bit. There's no doubt about it. Even there were some throws yesterday where I just go, ball floats in the air too long. Even on the ball that ended up being an interception where it was a bang-bang, you know, hit-and-catch uh, by Ty Montgomery. I mean, he was open. Drive the ball in there and throw it. He's going to have to go back to the lab a little bit, and we've seen other quarterbacks do this. I've seen Mahomes. I just talked to him about it. I've talked to Allen about it. I talked to Joe Burrow about it, where they don't, we got to make a tweak here to improve my throwing. And I think Mac Jones definitely has to do that because arm strength and some of those game-changing throws you're talking about, they don't happen enough for a guy that was drafted in the top 20. And that's definitely where he can improve his game for sure. All right, let's take a break. When we return, after losing two straight games at home, the Jaguars go 2-0 and in their home, away from home. And it was a big one yesterday over the Bills. Yeah, London. We'll break that down next. Hello, London. Yeah, Sky Sports. Hello, like you're from London. I think it's big. It's big for our organization. It's big. Uh, you know, um, we came over here one and two, and we're going back three and two. And, and um, but again, it, listen, it's, it's two ball games. It's one ball game. Whatever it might be. You know, we're five in. We, we've got plenty of football ahead of us. A lot of work ahead of us. We got this travel, kind of a short week. You know, but it, it is. It's great to come over here because we have a lot of fans here. Um, the organization, our, our, our owner, Mr. Khan. Uh, obviously, we all enjoy coming here. We spent ten, ten days here. Uh, two great places, the Grove and Hanbury Manor, were outstanding for us, and I'm and, um, um, just proud of our, our entire organization and our, our team for how we handled it. Great visit to London by the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, Maria Taylor found out the hard way last night by saying a couple of times on Football Night in America, they should just move to London. Right. All the people in Jacksonville, Duba. they are very sensitive to any talk about that, especially at a time when the, the team is trying to shake about a billion dollars out of the taxpayer money right. tree to right. renovate the stadium with a not-so-subtle threat that if you don't do it, maybe we will move to London. London. <laughs> but, hey, Chris, this was an experiment. Yeah. And we talked last week. We don't know how this experiment's going to go. Right. But yeah. to be there two weeks, Travis right. Etienne told me after the game, his body they were adjusted, yesterday right? felt so much different than it did yeah. a week earlier yeah. against the Falcons. So they're playing a team that's feeling like the Falcons and the Jaguars felt a week earlier. That was a huge edge. He said staying there the whole week was a huge advantage for them against the Buffalo Bills. I I was when I got back from the hospital, yeah. I slept for two hours and I woke up and I turned on the game and I saw it was eleven to seven Jaguars and I'm like, is it the first quarter? Like, what's going on here? And it was midway through the third quarter. I yeah. mean the Jaguars had their number defensively. And uh, offensively, they did just enough, led by ATN, who had a career day rushing and receiving. The Jaguars have been close on the offensive side of the ball. 
And I think yesterday was the first time. Now, listen, Trevor Lawrence got strip-sacked twice when they were down there close. The 25-20 final score is a little closer than the game was in actuality. It really was. It was a late run by the Bills that made it you know, look a little better on the stat sheet and the scoreboard. The Jacksonville Jaguars controlled the game throughout. Right, you said it ran the ball, big plays on third downs. Trevor Lawrence was on point. They were ten for eighteen on third down, but I think the big thing is what you said. When I turned the game on and I'm sitting there drinking some coffee on the couch with my son at nine thirty in the morning yesterday, I'm going, "Damn, wow! The Jags look like they're flying around at fast. The the Bills don't look like the same team as compared to last week." And then, of course, injuries started to pile up, and I think that also got into the psychology of the Buffalo Bills there as well, right? But I think the big thing was, hey, we know Jacksonville's talented. They're a very talented team. They're young. They've been making a lot of self-inflicted mistakes early on in the year. That's what I would say. That really was. I mean, they could have beat the Chiefs. The Texans game, they made some huge mistakes in that game where it ended up looking a little more lopsided than it was Yesterday, they controlled the game throughout, and it was the offense clicking on all cylinders, and their defense looked like, Mike, it kind of just went, we're not going to let you throw bombs. We're going to make you check it down, and we don't think you got any guys that can run after the catch, and we're going to rally and tackle you, and we're going to play that all day yesterday. And Allen was patting the ball, and you could tell he couldn't find anybody, and they had no run game to talk about either yesterday. Uh, I was impressive by Jacksonville. A stunning reversal from what they did to the Dolphins and kind of reasserted themselves. After losing to the Jets, they blew out the Raiders, blew out the Commanders, blew out the Dolphins, and it felt like they're creeping up into the top three again, and then they have this splash of cold water. And maybe they just need to rack it up as there's an inherent advantage to the team that is in London being in London. Yeah, being acclimated. acclimated. Right. And that's something that I think we need to keep in mind to the extent that a team might ever move there. Yeah. Because you're going to have teams coming over when the London team is at home for two or three weeks in a row, and you're going to have the London team coming over yeah. and playing teams that haven't left the United States. That is a real factor. There's all the different things that go into the stew of what, what creates competitive balance or imbalance if you have a team there full-time. This is something that I think needs to be taken seriously. Body acclimation for the team that lives there and also for the teams that live in the contiguous United States where we have to come over and fly over and play somebody who hasn't changed five time zones. So this is real to the extent that the NFL is thinking about it. And it was another example of... Frankly, all due respect, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, great facility. Great Got the grass, stadium. and it yeah. becomes turf for football. The turf field there is caca. Yeah. To continue a theme from last definitely, week. Definitely, definitely. It's bad. I'm annoyed And by it's it. horrible. Right. And see, you can have good grass, you can have bad grass. You can have good turf, and you can have bad turf. And that field, everything we've heard the last two years, there was a seam, a visible seam. Lewis seen from the Vikings. Yeah. Broken ankle. Right. They've gotten caught in in or near one of those teams complaints after the Packers Giants game there last year complaints galore yesterday from Bill's players Teron Johnson had a couple of moments where his foot got stuck stuck and and they're speaking out about it which is good when when you have when you're forced to play on that subpar field all the money the NFL is making and they are playing on that subpar turf at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and oh look at the locker rooms and look at this and look at that but what about the workers who have to work on that crap? Yeah. And, you know, if you ask NFL about it, it's going to be word salad, word salad, word salad. Got to study, got to study, got to study. Baloney, it's a bad field. It needs to be ripped up and replaced. 
And I know that the grass, I mean, they can't play on the grass because the grass is made for soccer and it's slipperier. And But God, just get rid of the bad turf. The turf there, by all accounts, from the men who have to actually play on it. All didn't like it. It's got to go. All Travis didn't like. even told me. I mean, he had a career day on it. Right. I'd rather play I'd on rather grass. I'd rather play on grass, right? Stefan Diggs, you said, he kind of had a... An he watched. He said, a, and then watched and didn't say anything because he didn't want to get himself in trouble. Teron Johnson was more candid about it. That that you know he was dropping f bombs. And another unnamed Bill play, Bill's player said to the Buffalo News, "Why we come all the way over here and we're playing on this bleeping cement?" Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a shame, and I, I don't know why the NFL wants to not listen. Again, they want to talk about all these things. I know, and here's all the employees. The most important people that make the league go, they're all telling you they don't want something, and we're going, nah, screw you. We're going to make you play on it. Oh, okay, It's cool. a combination of yeah. they don't want to spend the money, and it becomes – see, this is the problem with the union being very loud about it because now it's a tug of war, yeah. and the NFL is stuck in its position and it has to stick to its guns just to show we're in charge. Even if it's the right thing to do, we're in charge. They want us to stop – we're going to keep doing it right. just to show everyone right. who's boss because right. we're the ones with the yachts. Well, I, it does feel that way. It does, and, and, and it's unfortunate, and I, I hope it can change. I'm, we're going to continue to talk about it. I'm sorry. It was a lot of fun. The stadium looked good. The field sucks, okay? They need to change it, all right? And then, you know, off of that, just to, to piggyback, and again, I know we can connect some dots and all that, but damn, those are some big injuries for the Buffalo yeah, Matt Bills. Milano may be out for the year, they're likely game, out for the year. They're season-changing injury. injuries, I mean, that when you lose a guy like Matt Milano, who's maybe the second best off the ball linebacker behind Fred Warner, who we started off the show talking about, he's the quarterback of their defense. You know, they lose Daquan Jones yesterday to it looks like a pectoral injury. That's scary, right? You know, they went into the game already with Rousseau not playing, Von Miller's not healthy all the way yet. Both starting starting corners yesterday weren't playing for the Buffalo Bills. So that's gonna be something to watch here. But I do feel like the Matt Milano injury was a real Debbie Downer for the Bills. It took some steam out of them. I think they looked at it because they knew. And you could kind of tell on the sidelines when they brought the card out and the way Matt Milano was acting, like, you know, a little like we knew with like Aaron Rodgers. Like, oh, man, it's bad. Like, he knows it's bad, and he ain't going to be back anytime soon. And you could tell the Bills players knew that as well. It's unfortunate. But, yeah, those are big injuries for that football team, a defense that looked like it had a chance to be dominant, and now they're going to be fighting the injury bug here to see how good they are. We're going to take a break. We'll return some other big injuries, including a couple coming out of the Chiefs-Vikings game, more PS. FT Live right after this. Big injuries coming out of week five. We talked earlier about Anthony Richardson reportedly out for a month or longer. Daniel Jones, we're going to know more today about the neck injury. They need to do an MRI on that. Justin Jefferson left the loss to the Chiefs in the fourth quarter with a hamstring tweak. We'll find out more about that today. Travis Kelsey is the only one of those four who was injured and returned. He had a weird little ankle thing on the turf at U.S. Bank Stadium. And they say he's okay. He did come back and play. But they play Thursday night against the Denver Broncos. You just wonder, it's one of those, how's it going to feel when you're yeah. rolling out of bed the next right. day when you have this weird little awkward tweak and fall down. Of course, after Aaron Rodgers and what happened with him, we're constantly, especially older players, we're looking for those lower body injuries that could be a problem. And that was a problem for him, but he still found a way to come back and play. 
how it swells up or doesn't today, I think is going to be big. Yeah, it, it definitely is. You know, the the good thing, like we always talk about, he rolled it inwards, right? Which is is better than the other way, where then becomes a high ankle sprain. But yeah, it's not a lot of dead, not a time to recover here for him and. And it's concerning because, like, here's, you know, again, you know, I'm sorry about your Vikings losing, but I'm not really sorry. Uh, but the Kansas City Chiefs defense continues to be the star of the show for their football team, in, in my opinion. Here through five weeks, they're, they're damn good. I mean, they're holding down the fort. And I will say, the offense, it just feels like a lot of work for their offense. Nothing is easy. Nothing. You know, you know. Again, yesterday, Mahomes' magic on third downs—that was one of the big things of the football game. But it's hard for them to create big plays. They don't do that. You don't see nearly as many four-play, eighty-yard drives that we used to see from the Chiefs and stuff like that. I think that's what's concerning to me a little bit about the Kansas City Chiefs and where they are. Because again, we're talking about Super Bowl. Well, we know the Chiefs are good and they're going to be in the playoffs. I get that. But I don't know with the current state of their football team and the way they're playing right now that if I can say they're going to beat some of these top-tier teams in the league because I, I think there is a little lack of firepower on the offensive side of the ball right now. They used to be that team that would score 28 points in a quarter, and we don't see that happening. Not at all. It's more plodding. It's more sluggish. It's ultimately effective. It is. I mean, they've won every game except week one at home to the Lions, right. and a lot of people are going to lose to the Lions this year. But something just seems a little bit off. Now, for the Vikings, a lot of things are off. And they lose another one-score game. This is the flip side yeah. of last year when they were flipping the coins and it was coming up heads. They did beat the Panthers, or they would be 0-5 right now. But 1-4, and not good. They have the Bears next week, and then they have a Monday night game against the 49ers. So 2-5 and five is coming, I think. And once you get to five losses, you have to start thinking, when do we slip into run-the-table mode if we're ever going to get – to where we're trying to be. So, look, the Vikings were making it interesting. And there is one moment I want to discuss. 4.54 left in the game, the throw to Jordan Addison, and they found something in Jordan Addison. Yeah. The throw to the end zone where they initially call pass interference, Legereus Sneed disagrees, removes his helmet. Here's the throw. Kirk Cousins getting killed. He's getting screened away from the ball. They throw pass interference. They pick it up. Now, I don't know whether they ruled it was tipped. Patrick Mahomes is on the sideline doing the, the universal tip gesture. If it's tipped, it's fine. Okay, so watch Sneed. Helmet comes off. That is supposed to be a flag. When you remove your helmet to have a confrontation or demonstration, he's telling him to put his helmet back. Or he's saying, what was he doing? What was he doing this here? I mean, they told him to put his helmet back on. They should have flagged him right there. And, you know, we're at a very delicate time now where people think the league is in the tank for the Chiefs and Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. So anything like that is going to give those folks red meat. Now, I still don't know why they picked up the interference. I need to go back and listen and watch to why they picked it up. It was not tipped at the line of scrimmage. But he should have been flagged. Let's see the play again if it you have been It would have been post-possession, so the Chiefs would have had it at the 12 right. instead of the 24. Right. But still, it would have been something. They would have started the drive farther away from the end zone. You see him getting screened off and kind of, kind of nudged away from having a chance to get the ball. So, yeah, I, I'm they, glad they, they had did, a reason to pick it up. It up right? But that right there should be 15 yards, half the distance, you know, whatever, to the goal line, because that's a personal foul. Taking your helmet off to have that confrontation—that's supposed to be called all the time, all the time. And Jim Nance and Tony Romo were saying they told him to put his helmet back on. That's not. The remedy in a situation like that, the remedy in a situation like that is throw the flag for taking your helmet off in the field of play. Either you have the rule or you don't. 
If it's not the rule, then take it off the books. Yeah. Well, we and, saw TJ so, Watt get called for and he got it called after the sack, for, and it was post possession. Right. The Steelers still had the ball. Right. And now, what I'll say, it's a little different. Let me just give a little nuance here to where I find it a little different. One, this is the one thing that I, I realize a lot of fans don't realize about the NFL. Face guarding is real. You're, you're allowed to face guard in the NFL. You know, you can't face guard and then hit the receiver. That's pass interference. But you're allowed to face guard. So you don't have to play the ball necessarily as long as you're not hitting the wide receiver like you can get in his way and you can put your hand in his eyes yeah, or yeah. put and go right this yeah. there's no rule against that in the nfl that's college football okay yeah. the nfl that's not the case the one thing i think he gets away with that there is it's a fourth down and it was a clear 10 to 12 seconds after the play was over to where hey there are guys that are walking off the field and take their helmet off there but i i'm with you there i think if we're going to call it you call it there there's no doubt about that and i don't know how much that would have really changed the football game either way but i i hear what you're saying removal of helmet by a player in the field of play or the end zone during a celebration or demonstration or during a confrontation with a game official or any other player. see it wasn't a was, celebration or let me take no, it off and but look you at didn't the hear screen, the end yeah i didn't hear, hear the you, end i hear you during a confrontation with right. a game official, we right. took the helmet off to go talk to the official. Yeah. It's supposed to be a flag. Yeah. We need to take a break or they're going to throw a flag on us. More PFT Live right after this. All right, it's your 45-second Monday night preview. Packers at the Raiders. Jimmy Garoppolo back. Packers get a little extra time to get ready. You yeah. pick the Raiders. I pick the Packers. So I I'm going to get me a cheesehead on the way home. Good. I'm going to have a Percocet, cheesehead, and uh, chill tonight. Oh, man. You sound like you should be going to Vegas or something. <laughs> Are you sure you just want to go back to the barn there? I am excited for the game. I mean, it's it's kind of a, a big game for the Raiders. I, I think you can almost make it a must win. Uh, I'm worried. I, I picked the Raiders because I just don't see consistency in the Packers offense. I'm a little worried about that. Garoppolo being back, I think, gives their offense a bump. I'm going to take the Raiders in the Christian close Christian Watson one. was big last week. Yeah. have a big night tonight, I hope. And go Pack Go! See you tomorrow. Have a great day. Take your Percocets and get out of here. (laughs) Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.